on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show. Presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming. Experience life rewarded with Boyd Rewards. Proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. Welcome once again to the Bourbon Street Lounge here inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. John Sandler and head coach Kevin Kruger with you. CT will be along in a bit as uh, we are talking running Rebel basketball. Rebels winners of three straight Mountain West Conference games, including the two we will talk about this evening, uh, the big win over Reno at the Thomas and Mack last Saturday, and then last night's victory uh, in uh, predominantly dominant fashion over Colorado State up in Fort Collins. And uh, things uh, seem to be rolling again. Coach Kruger, uh, awfully, uh, awfully big the last two and uh, no surprise that the Rebels seem to have righted the ship as they've gotten a little bit healthier. Yeah, it's a, a, you know two big wins for us. Um, went out and, and, and fought and battled against Reno and uh, kind of did what we had to do there. But uh, once again, kind of hung our hat on the defensive end. Like we talked about after the game that night, uh, it just had that kind of that security and that confidence and that, that flow that a lot of the games in November and December had where we knew we were going to make them work. We didn't give up any free ones. Uh, we didn't make any just kind of uncharacterized or, you know, just fouls that were just out of the norm. We didn't, we just didn't do anything like that toward the end of the game. And we knew we were, we were in a good rhythm and, uh, and making them earn them. And then, yeah, the, uh, another good one last night. Saturday was fun in, in no small part because of the crowd and the atmosphere at the Thomas and Mac. Uh, it, it obviously reminded us of the days when, when you were in uniform for the run of Rebels and, and the days where uh, th- that, that place was, was near capacity an awful lot. And I know that is a primary goal that you have for this program. Take a while, but uh, good steps. Yeah, I mean, you know, getting people to come every night is obviously a process and a build. And, uh, but uh, it, it was a great showing. Um, it had that electricity and the buzz in the air of a rivalry game. Uh, some, uh, you know, to, especially a team like Reno now being in conference, there's a little bit more weight to each game. There's a little bit more uh, riding on each game other than just you know, a year's worth of bragging rights. It changes where you, where you are in the standings of your league. And uh, uh, so, but again, walking out there, hearing the students, hearing the crowd, um, the crowd getting into it, you know, uh, the, the, there's a special kind of dislike for Reno, of course. Um, and uh, to, to get the Thomas and Mac rolling again was, uh, it, it was a good feeling. And I'm glad the guys got to not only experience it and get it, uh, but to also play well. Before we get into the specifics of some of the performances in that Reno game, uh, w- we talked about it, especially in the second half, when you only gave up nine field goals in the entire half. Uh, the Rebels seem to have that appearance, that feel, and that, that activity and energy that we saw, especially on the defensive end, during that 10-0, 11-1 start to the season. Uh, you and I have talked about it, and you, you know, you've acknowledged that, and, and you say you recognize it. Do the players recognize it? I think so, because you, you can kind of feel it right now. There's a little bit of a difference in the locker room. Uh, you know, they're sticking out their chest a little bit. They're, you know, they're, they're kind of got a lot of pride right now and, and confidence kind of building back up. And, uh, you know, when you can do that, when you can have that feeling, um, it, just, it just changes. It changes the mood of the, the huddles, it, uh, the mood of practices, um, even the mood that's carried out on the floor but the guys just did a really good job even though you know first half gave up 
kind of a, a good percentage from three for, from Reno. Uh, we also we didn't give up a lot of them. That's kind of been our Achilles heel in some of the games we've lost. And, uh, and then in the second half, just not only did we give up a lot, but we also held them to a really low percentage and did a really good job on Lucas. And, and Vic did an exceptional job on Baker. And without a doubt, that, those two factors were, I think, what was the difference in the game. Yeah, he was the first guy I was going to highlight because we haven't really talked about him and his performance in the game. But his line is just, I mean, it tells the story. He had six points, nice contributions. He had six rebounds. He had two steals and five blocks and battled a guy who's much bigger than him all night. Yeah, and that's nothing really new for Vic. You know, when he, you know, playing guys that are bigger, uh, maybe a little heavier, but there's not a lot of guys that are faster or stronger, especially at his size. But, you know, giving up five, six inches in height to Will Baker and, and probably 20, 30 pounds, uh, he just used his quickness. He used his feet. Um, he made Will Baker work really hard for positioning, and then the guys guarding the ball did a really good job of making uh, those angles a little harder to throw to. And so it, between the two, uh, those two guys working together, making uh, the passes difficult, making the angles a little tougher, I think uh, – you know, it was harder to get him the ball where he could uh, make plays. and, and it, But they did it for 40 minutes, and that's what kind of made it special. Was uh, It wasn't something where Baker got going. I mean, we really just did a good job and of, of just limiting his touches, and, and when he did touch it, it wasn't in an area where he could hurt us as much as somewhere else. Yeah, it really was impressive. If I had told you before the game against Reno that Keyshawn, EJ, and Jordan McCabe would combine to go 0 for 12 from 3, would you even show up? Yeah, we, we would have been a little nervous at that point. <laughs> well, the guys who made up for it, start, and it starts with Justin Webster. Uh, I, I'm so happy he's having the year he ha- is having. Last year, you know, it took a while for him to kind of get his footing, and he emerged at the end of the year, hit that big shot against Wyoming in the regular season. Um, but he had yeah, maybe, maybe the first game or two this year, there was a little hesitation, but he has just caught fire, and he has been absolutely terrific. Anything you've asked him. No question. I think, and especially the first half of the Reno game, or or the the middle part of the first half of the Reno game, he he really came alive. We didn't have a lot going. We weren't bad by any stretch, but uh, he knocked down a couple threes, uh, you know, one in the right corner after the steal from EJ on the wing. Uh, It really kind of got us going, and and when we could add that, kind of that quick burst of of offense, especially from him and from the three-point line, I think it just kind of opened things up a little bit. And and guys started playing a little more loose and a little more relaxed and and making plays for each other and and ended up taking a lead into the half. And I think what we're seeing, we spent a lot of time talking about the defense, but on the offensive end, you're getting back to the the style of play and the the performance where, yeah, a guy might have an off night. Keyshawn had an off night offensively against Reno. Uh, EJ wasn't as efficient as you'd like, but Justin stepped up. Shane Noel had a terrific night. He did. He's come in. Uh, you know, we've talked about him a lot over the last few weeks. But you know, the 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 best part about Shane and and the part that makes us happiest is how he just stayed ready. You know, it, it's easy to get frustrated when you're not playing or and you're not showing you even in practice or or, or the daily grind of it of of the player that you're capable of being. And uh, and, and he's gone in there, and, and he's made a huge difference. He's, uh, he's playing as hard or, as, or, or the hardest of anybody we've got out there right now most, with the most consistency. Um, he, he did a great job last night guarding Isaiah Stevens. You know, that, that's not easy to do. He's, Isaiah Stevens is probably the best offensive player in our league and, uh, and certainly the most uh, versatile. And he went out there, and he just decided he was going to compete as hard as he could against him. And, 
and minus uh, one mistake, I think, uh, you know, the, the nine other, ten other times he guarded him, he did an, an excellent job. And then, of course, yeah, he's been knocking down shots. Um, he was still shooting when I left uh, to come here. Uh, he was shooting when we got there this morning. So um, he, he's kind of one of those guys that's just kind of stayed ready, and his opportunity has come, and, and it, hopefully it looks like he's not going to ever look back. Well, let, let's hope not because I think uh, that – that progression that he's on right now is special. And, and other coaches around the conference are taking notice. I've had a number of coaches, assistants, uh, and otherwise uh, remark on his progress. Yeah, and it, and it allows us to, you know, when you got a guy like Lou who was out, when you got a guy like EP who was out, you know, you don't just lose experience, you lose the size. You know, you know if you stand next to Lou, you stand next to EP, you can see that, that, that they're physically imposing. And, uh, and Shane brings an element to that. Um, it, it allows us to kind of stay big, stay more physical, and uh, and he's yeah he's just you can't say enough good things about him right now. He's uh, he, he's playing great, and um, and he's a huge reason why. Like you said, we've kind of kind of started to get back in the right direction. In addition, and, and you didn't take the bait with my first question, but uh, uh, EP coming back and being healthy. I mean, you, you think you mentioned uh, the, the the performance that uh, that Shane had uh, defensively. The rest of the time, it was EP on Stevens last night and the game before. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that Blackshear will ever recover from, from that defensive effort that EP put on him. Um, and he's a really good, big, strong player as well. Uh, he, he's so savvy. He's so smart to go along with sort of that freak athleticism that he has. Um, there was a play. Was it the Reno game where he recovered, ran length of the floor back to get a block uh, coming back down the lane? I think it was in the first half. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm doing the game and all of a sudden, you know, you've seen him down at the other end of the floor. You follow the action. Okay, he's out of the play. We're not going to worry about him. And all of a sudden this blur comes across your vision and the ball gets swiped out of bounds. You're like, "Who? oh, my gosh, it it was EP. How did he do that? It's remarkable. Yeah, he uh, and when you watch our games and you watch him specifically, I think, uh, you know, a lot of time, a lot of wasn't really. You know, he didn't get necessarily the attention maybe that he deserved and that he earned. Um, but when you, when you, when he was out, and when you watch our game last night, it, just the little things that that he does. Uh, Colorado State, especially, is a team that runs a lot of very detailed and timing uh, offense. And the closer they run into the basket, the more uh, threatening it is. Uh, you know, you get put in situations where you don't know if you want to go left or right through a screen you don't know you know you kind of get stuck in these decision making situations and as soon as you kind of hesitate they exploit it and that's what makes them so dangerous offensively but if you watch our game last night or if you were to watch it again just just the ability that EP has to push that ball out just a little bit farther uh, you know going forward watching it on Fresno on Friday night just watching where he makes that first pass be made by our opponent is where his value is. It just can't really be, be determined with numbers. Um, he just does so many things that are just little and just really annoying if you're in offense, just trying to do things you want to do in the spots that you practice them, and he doesn't always let you do that. And it's, it's so good to hear you use that word again. You haven't been able to use it in a while, but uh, the annoying Rebels were back uh, against Reno, and they certainly uh, were awfully annoying last night up in Fort Collins as they built the big lead. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, you, you were part of the, 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 the Reno-UNLV 
battles when you played here. You're now in your second year as a coach. Um, we talked about it a little bit. The fans, even though the players change, even though there, there isn't maybe that, that group that plays against each other year after year after year anymore because of the transfer portal and all of that, you can still feel it in the fans that that, that game is important uh, on your home floor to win. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, like you, you finished with it, you know, any home game, you got you to take advantage of the home games, which we didn't get off to a very good start with in, the, in conference play. But then, yeah, you put your, your rival into it, um, knowing, again, you know, in the back of your mind, you got to go back up to Reno to finish the year. Um, so to be able to get out there in, that, in the first matchup, get a win, um, but really do a lot of the things that we wanted to do. I think uh, as a staff and as, a, as, a, as and the players, when we, when we talked about how we were going to beat Reno and how we felt it was going to work, I think maybe even the Reno game as much as any, uh, we were just in sync in terms of, of being disruptive, being annoying, like you said, and then offensively getting the looks we were trying to get. And, uh, and I think uh, the guys just really kind of took to it and did a really good job of, uh, of being disruptive and, and messing with timing and, and talking to each other and knowing what, was, what they thought was coming and what Reno was about to do. And, uh, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of what it's about. And we saw it again, I think, last night in Fort Collins. We had guys like EJ, EP, uh, Lou, Keyshawn, they were really disruptive. They, a lot of cat and mouse. We talk about playing cat and mouse a lot, of, of messing with the offense and just trying to get them to do something they're not used to doing. And I think in the last two games, we maybe uh, certainly since mid-December, it's probably been our best two. In order to do that, in order to, to and, and, and it's all about, we talked about it earlier in the year, having the runner rebel defense dictate rather than allowing the opposition to dictate. And we went through that period when EP was out, when Lou was out, where the rebels were reacting a lot. And that didn't work. It didn't work at all. No, no, you don't want to be reacting defensively. You want to, you want to put offense on their heels. Um, you know, we, even leaving practice today, we spent a handful of time running five on what we call five on O offense, no defense. So, you know, when, but when you run that stuff as a team with no defense, you, you catch it in the same spot every time. You pass it at the same pace every time. And, uh, and that's what we've got to change when we play. When you, when you want to be an annoying defense, when you want to disrupt things, you just can't let teams run like they're five on O offense. And like you said, for a stretch there, it felt like we were allowing teams to do that, catching where they wanted, passing when they wanted. And again, the last handful of games, uh, it, it's kind of seemed to be just we've just got a little more security about us that things are still going to work out. We just got to be a little more disruptive and uh, and just kind of knock them off balance just a little bit. So to, to get back to that point where you're doing that, obviously getting healthy was the first thing you had to do. But it's a confidence thing, isn't it? It's it's a matter of those guys stepping out of the floor saying, OK, I got this. I can take the next step and impact you, affect you uh, even more than just, just staying in front of you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, anytime people talk about when you, when you hear confidence and you think sports or basketball specifically, you think shooting, right? You know, they, well, he has no confidence. That's why he doesn't make any shots. And, of course, that's true as well. But, uh, you know, defense has a confidence to it too. When you watch the guys that are elite defenders, you know, a large reason I think they're seen as elite defenders is because even if they get scored on, the next time they don't change. They're still in your face. They're still working as hard as they possibly can and uh, you know, because they truly believe that if they're going to do what they do, they're going to end up on the good side more times than not. And, and again, I think we're starting to see that a lot, and, it, and it's, uh, it's contagious because now guys that two weeks ago, three weeks ago didn't have that same level of confidence and were on their heels a little bit are now getting a little more disruptive, being on their toes a little bit more. 
And, and I think the guy who, who exemplifies that more than anybody is E.J. Harkless. Obviously, he's been the, the sort of tip of the spear for the Rebels from an offensive standpoint. But the play he made late when Blackshear's trying to drive down the left side and to move his feet and to get in front and to draw that charge, first of all, how long did you have to hold your breath to see what they were going to call? And then secondly, it, it, just talk about the play because it was terrific. Yeah, he did a good job. I think he, uh, he, he had kind of throughout the game uh, uh, kind of sized him up a little bit, so he felt it confident that move was going to come. And, uh, yeah, I mean, anytime the whistle blows late in the game, really no matter what happens, you kind of hold your breath hoping that uh, you get the benefit of the, of the call. And, but uh, I think he did a good job. He got in front. Um, Blackshear's shoulder went into his chest. He, he took the charge, and it ended up being the play of the game defensively. Absolutely, and uh, that's, that's all part of what you were talking about in terms of getting that confidence and having the ability to, to disrupt. He's been, he's been really good defensively of late. Big steal uh, that helped the Rebels get on a run last night as well. Yeah, a lot, a lot of good plays from him. I think, uh, again, a lot of EJ's confidence defensively comes from allowing him to just kind of survey, uh, almost play that free safety, free safety position yep. a little bit and, uh, and just kind of read and, and, uh, off the ball. Uh, he's an elite all-in-ball defender, as we've seen all year. But when he can be disruptive and he can run through passing lanes and he can play a little cat and mouse and kind of in, in the ball handler's vision is where he's really, really good. And I think last night, yeah, when, when we were able to kind of get a cushion, not only in the first half getting, up to a, you know, getting off to a 12-point lead early, but then in the second half when we were really able to space it out, a lot of it came off his deflections, his disruption, um, a steal or two of his or – uh, but mostly also his rebounding. And uh, I thought it was, a, it was a really good defensive game by him. It was indeed. We will talk about the Colorado State game in depth when we come back from this break. We want to remind you that Finley Toyota presents this Kevin Kruger radio show here at the Orleans. And fans, uh, next run of Rebel game at home this Friday night. Uh, can't remember a Friday night Mountain West Conference game for the run of Rebels at the Thomas and Mac, but Friday night it is, uh, 8 o'clock against Fresno. And if you want to upgrade your seats at Friday night's game, be the first to show your Toyota keys at the Toyota table located at Portal 4. Once you're inside the Thomas and Mac, you'll receive four upgraded tickets courtesy of Toyota. Take a break, come back with more. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Harkless up ahead to Gilbert. Gilbert to Webster, open in the corner for a three. He hit another one. Back to the Kevin Kruger Coaches Show, live from the Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Or just down the hall, here at the Bourbon Street Lounge. John Sandler, head coach Kevin Kruger with you, talking Runner Rebel basketball, Runner Rebels winners of three straight in conference now, and getting ready for Fresno State at the Thomas and Mac. Friday night, 8 o'clock, we'll be on the air at 7.30 with Runner Rebel warm-up. Talking about uh, the last two wins, we talked in depth about Reno, and now uh, reflecting back on last night, in cold, snowy Fort Collins. Uh, but, Coach, I, I got to tell you, I had a feeling going into that one. That I don't know what it was, Lou Rod getting healthy and, and being excited to be back, guys with a, a little bit of a, a chip on their shoulder, what have you, about what happened when Colorado State pulled one out of you-know-what to, uh, to beat the Rebels in overtime. But there was a sense that, that this team was not going to be stopped last night. And after a little bit of a slow start, the next, oh, probably 34 minutes were about as good as, as the Rebels have been all year. Yeah, usually, you know, when you have a situation like that, I think just kind of thinking back through, through history or personal history, when you have a, a really tight first game, um, you know, we felt we played great. Uh, we did. We played well enough to win that game. It go, you know, Colorado State, Stevens hits a couple shots to beat us. 
you know, that next one, it, it's, it's one of those situations where it's kind of like it, it can go almost either way. But it, it, almost more times than not, it, it seems like that a, you know, one team spaces themselves out from another. And so, yeah, leading up to that game, I, I knew – I felt like we were ready. I felt like the guys – you know, that, that Colorado State game was a, a, a level of hurt that, you know, we hadn't felt all year. And, you know, we have – the first thing, you know, after every game, we go up to the office, see our families, and, you know, old ball coach who coached for 45 years, the first thing he says to me is, I don't think in 45 years I ever felt one that like that. And here we are in year two, I'm like, and I just said, well, I'm glad we got it out of the way, hopefully, because, <laughs> I mean, it was just, uh, that one, I, I had no words, I just felt so just hurt, <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that first minute, it, it was kind of sleepy. It was kind of like it was. It felt in, with the weather, and we were, we were stuck inside. And, and, uh, but then kind of Keyshawn hit those first two shots. Uh, we were able to take a quick lead, and something seemed to just kind of click on the bench. Even the, the coming over to that first time out felt different. Uh, the guys were up uh, kind of you know, really encouraging each other. And it was almost like us in Colorado State were both kind of waiting to see who was going to throw that first haymaker. And, and I felt that we did. And like you said, those next 34, 35-ish minutes were, were really good. They really were. And you, you mentioned Keyshawn. Uh, there are moments where you watch him play. And, yeah, it's been a little bit rough at the beginning of conference, primarily because I think teams are paying a lot more attention, and we've talked about that, that he's near the top of the scouting report now. Uh, but it, there are moments when you watch him and you think he's a sophomore, and you don't know what that means anymore. But if Keyshawn Gilbert is a member of this program for an extended period of time going forward, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and he's a young sophomore at that. Um, but yeah, well, like we've said, there's no teacher like experience, and you know he he came out guns ablazing to start the year, and then a, about a handful of games in. You started hearing when he got the ball, the coaching staff started screaming coverages, kind of things to look out for, you know, and something that he wasn't really used to, that he hadn't had that type of attention paid to him. So he hit a little bit of a, a learning curve where he adjusted, and now I think we're again seeing him uh, being aggressive, uh, getting downhill a lot. But, uh, yeah, when he comes out and, and hits a few shots, his confidence was really going, and, and it was the spark we needed. But, uh, yeah, again, Keyshawn, he's ultra-competitive. Um, sometimes his biggest pros are his biggest cons because he's so stubborn and bullheaded at times. But, uh, you know, he, he learns through, through the experiences, uh, just like the last night's finish, which we'll talk about here, uh, of course. But, you know, having that opportunity to have a lead, being pressed the, whole, uh, the last few minutes, knowing all, all you're doing is playing keep away for 20 seconds, 25 seconds, trying to draw a foul. You can't simulate those, those situations. You've just got to learn them, live them, and, uh, and experience them. And, uh, you know, the next time we're in that situation, I know for a fact Keyshawn will do better because he went through it last night. Absolutely right. Uh, I thought E.J. Harkless might have had his best all-around game. We talked about it before the break. Uh, not only was he solid offensively doing what he does and the, the, the play on the, on the transition where, unfortunately, it appeared Lake uh, got hurt on that collision. It shows you how strong EJ is. I don't know if you guys are watching or heard the, the call on the broadcast, but he went, he went racing into the front court, down the right side of the lane. Lake came over, and Lake is, what, 6'5", probably 215 easy. 
And Lake came over and jumped to try to block the shot. And EJ, he's got every trick in the book, and he turned his body so he, he would deliver the blow instead of absorbing the blow. Lake went down and, as I said, unfortunately did not return to the game. EJ laid it in, got the foul call, and it was just such a tough, aggressive play. It was, it was, it was terrific to see. Yeah, EJ, I mean, definitely one of his best overall games, if not his best one. Uh, but he's, he's shown that he likes those, those road environments, those kind of the hostile crowd. And, uh, but as you mentioned, EJ in transition, or, and not even as much in transition, just with an advantage. Um, he covers ground. He's got an incredible balance uh, because he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's, a, he's not the most athletic on our team, although he is an elite athlete, of course. Uh, but he's just got the ability to take just the slightest advantage and make it look like it's a huge advantage to draw contact, make make contact look really violent. Um, like you said, I mean, he uh, unfortunately for Lake, of course, hoping he's okay. Uh, but you know, anytime two guys that big are running into each other, you know, EJ normally comes out okay. And I think it's just his balance, his ability to cover ground, his base. Um, and a lot of times he ends up finishing the shot as well. Um, his 6'3", 195, I believe, was what he's listed at, but he really plays like he's about 6'5", 210, 215, and, and that's why he's been able to survive and excel in college basketball. Yeah, he, he is just so tough. We'll, we'll get back to Colorado State, but you talked about covering ground, and it just got this image in my mind. I could not believe in the Reno game Keyshawn Hall going end-to-end in, what, four-and-a-half steps and and – in you know, in no time at all, I, he is a big boy, and he traveled an incredible distance in a very short amount of time and laid it in. Yeah, Keyshawn, uh, you know, like a lot of guys, Lou Rod comes to mind. Uh, you know, when you got those broader-shouldered people, sometimes you know, when you stand next to him is when you realize how tall they actually are. I mean, he's all of six seven, but he's broad-shouldered. He may not look necessarily that tall when he's out on the court, but. Yeah, he can, when he gets out and strides out a little bit, you know, that's something that I, I, I'm so proud of Keyshawn Hall because we battled all summer just about taking your game and what you do really well, and it's just got to fit into the college landscape and the way that the college game is played. And, and sometimes it's trying to, like, trying to fit a you know, round peg in a square hole, but what he's done so far with these minutes starting at Utah State, uh, it's just been really impressive how he's been able to kind of not necessarily he, he still's got a little bit of flash to him but 90% of his game has just been incredibly efficient and i think going forward we've never discouraged him from pushing the ball out of the backcourt that's something that he's recognized and done on his own kicking it up to a guard allowing them to go make a play spacing out uh just kind of creating that advantage situation for teammates but going forward we'd love for him to get a rebound and push because he's got that ability yeah and i mean you talk about and we'll talk about Keyshawn for just a minute here I'm, I'm flashing back to those games up in Canada where he got the ball for the – he didn't play a lot, but every time he got the ball, you could see his, his mind going, okay, this worked in high school. I'm just bigger and stronger than everybody, so I'm just going to use that to my advantage. And even though those teams in Canada might not be at the level of certainly the teams in the Mountain West Conference, it didn't work. Turn the ball over, travel, what have you. And uh, the, the learning curve, as you said, has been impressive. Yeah, and that's why, you know, that was what the Canada trip was so good for is, uh, you know, those, those, every time you got the ball in Canada, or, and not just him, we had, we had a lot of learning that took place in terms of learning each other. But, uh, you know, it wasn't a one-on-one opportunity, you know. And, and what he's done so far lately, though, is he is just taking, uh, you know, taking advantage of an advantage. 
Um, he's not wasting movement uh, or he's not over dribbling. He's just he's seeing an opportunity to make a play and he's making a play. And I think, again, he's so talented and such a high ba- IQ basketball player that I just think going forward, he's just going to just just get better at that. And, you know, now it's our job to, con- to put him in situations where he can make plays uh, and, and make decisions because he's shown that uh, he's grown up a lot since that Canada trip. Knocked down two threes that we talked about on the postgame show last night, like he was at shoot-around last night in a, in a hostile environment up at Fort Collins, uh, helping the Rebels to, to that big lead. Uh, obviously, the area of the game that he needs the most work on is defense. Yeah, and I think that's something that it, most freshmen struggle with. You're, not, you know, you're just not going to get a lot of guys coming into college as a freshman and being elite or even on the, at the top part of your roster defensively. So I think that's just something that's going to come through reps. Uh, but, you know, we do all the analytics. We can do all the numbers. We do all that stuff just like uh, most of college basketball does. And right now with Keyshawn Hall on the floor, it's showing individually that, that he, he's a positive, you know, uh, possession type player and as are most of our guys but it's not one side of the ball is not glaring but he's still got some, just got some learning to do that I, I truly think is just going to come from getting reps and just being out there more how good did it feel as the head coach to look on the floor and see Elijah Parquet and Luis Rodriguez on the floor at the same time because you haven't been able to see that in a long time well yeah I mean you you look out there and you you, you got 200 games of experience or, or more. And, uh, you know, so it, it was good to see everybody back. Of course, we'll, we can talk about Jordan. Uh, but, uh, you know, so we've kind of traded off one for another here over the last few weeks. But, but at the same time, you know, just seeing those guys, it, it, it hurts to see, especially those seniors, uh, you know, miss time and, and miss uh, action in their last year. But, yeah, again, we've, we've talked since the summer when you talk about EJ, EP, Lou, Keyshawn, um, we, we've got four elite on-ball defenders. And, uh, and there's a lot of times where all four of them are out there together. And when we do that, we can be really disruptive. You mentioned Jordan McCabe. Um, you know, uh, we'll get an update from you. Uh, I know you missed Jordan in the game last night. Probably missed him a little bit more during that last three or four-minute stretch. But we, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but give us a quick update, if you would, on his health. Yeah, Jordan just had a little back spasm, um, something that, you know, anybody with back issues knows you, you, there's not much you can do about it. It just it hurts like crazy. It, it locks you up pretty good. But um, he said, uh, and he'll appreciate our humor a little bit here, he said he, that in practice he felt it when he landed. And, of course, B, <laughs> Coach Peary and I look at each other like, Jordan, you got to jump. You gotta actually land, get off the ground, you know, yeah. and haha, funny, funny. But Jordan thought it was funny, so. But I, I mean, he's tough. You know, you don't have to worry about Jordan in any sense other than doing everything he can possibly do to get back. So um, we know as a rebel community that that Jordan's working like crazy to get back, and uh, so hopefully uh, we can be full strength again here soon. We talked about Justin Webster yesterday. Uncharacteristic poor shooting night from three. Finally got one to go in the second half but did everything else, and that little floater on the baseline. And Curtis talked about it a lot during the game, that Justin has become such a a focal point because of the outstanding shooting. I think he's first in the conference, or was first in the conference at three-point percentage coming into last night's game, that he now knows that defender's racing out to him, so the little pump fake, cruise down the baseline, and the little floater he shoots, uh, an effective weapon. Well, it is, and when you watch Justin, well, Webb, it's kind of weird calling him Justin. When you watch Webb, 
it, it's kind of like it's something like he is somebody you can show kids, you know, nieces, nephews, whatever it may be. Because if you watch him play a game, it, he does what he does well. So he shoots the ball. So he pump fakes and he takes a little two dribble floater. You know, he didn't do anything outside of that. So even though the, the three wasn't falling, you know, he, he pump faked. He, I mean, he had the and one in the second half, which was a huge play because you could kind of feel that momentum starting to go back towards Colorado State. Um, a couple of the teardrop little floaters he hit were just a result of, of Colorado State not wanting him to shoot a three. And, and again, uh, I think he struggled from three just, I think he was 0 for 5. Uh, which is really one rare, for five, yeah. one for five, uh, which is really rare for him just because Colorado State made it a point that they were going to make, I mean, fly at him, jump at him, not, you know, live with the result. And Webb adjusted. He adjusted to pump faking, getting in the paint, getting the layup, getting those teardrops to fall. So he's still effective offensively. But, uh, you know, he's just somebody that he stays within himself. And even though he's one for five last night from the three, he made a lot of really big plays otherwise. No doubt about it. All right, we're going to take another break. When we come back, talk about a guy who had a big impact in the game last night. And it was great to see as David Mwaka got off the bench and, uh, and was able to, to step right in and, uh, and, and have, as I said, a huge impact on the game. Fans, remember Finley Chevrolet located in the southwest at 215 in South Rainbow, Nevada's number one Chevrolet volume dealer. Ship, frankly, they're customer-driven. And Rebel fans, Remember to win big with water conservation. Mandatory winter watering restrictions still in effect through February. If you haven't changed your watering clock to one day a week, you're late. Get it done. Avoid costly water waste fines. It's the law. Find your assigned watering day at snwa.com. Back with more Kevin Kruger Radio Show from the Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. 51-49 UNLV. Harkless. So we walk underneath for the slam dunk. Great give and go. Executed by the Rebels, Harkless hitting Iwako for the dunk. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. All right, we are back. Runner Rebel basketball, the topic, as the Runner Rebels get ready for Fresno at the Thomas and Mack, the Bulldogs of Fresno State. Uh, 8 o'clock tip on Friday night. We'll be on the air at 7.30 with Run and Rebel warm-up. Talking Run and Rebel basketball, winners of three straight, including the win last night up in Fort Collins uh, against Colorado State. And, uh, talking about that game, a guy we have not had a chance to talk about in a while, uh, but for some reason that, that floor up at Moby, with something in the air in Fort Collins seems to inspire him. David Mualka got in the ball game. Vic got in foul trouble. Keyshawn was having trouble. Keyshawn Hall, who you've been playing uh, kind of in that in that five role at times when you go small, uh, coach has uh, had some trouble guarding. So you got David in there, and he immediately made an impact. Yeah, it was uh, it was good to see because when we talk about confidence defensively, I think David kind of over the last month has really just kind of probably struggled with that as much as anybody. And uh, and there's and it's no secret. I mean, he, David was a huge reason we were able to guard the way we were guarding early on. And when we kind of we kind of got you know, kicked in the mouth a little bit. It just kind of took us a little bit to get that confidence back going. But, yeah, uh, Vic and Keyshawn both in foul trouble last night early. Uh, David stepped right up. Uh, he went out and he made a, a, a huge impact. And it, like you said, last year he had probably his best game of his career um, on the night. Uh, Bryce also had a great one. But uh, he was efficient at the rim and he protected the rim. And last night he did the same. Uh, he was a, a rim threat offensively, so we could throw it to him, which opened things up for other guys. But then defensively, I mean, it just him being back there, uh, I think 
just ended a lot of possessions for Colorado State, made the shot a little bit tougher. They weren't able to get all the way to the rim, so they settled for something else, uh, and especially late. You know, uh, we went offense-defense there a little bit uh, at the end, and uh, David, not the best free-throw shooter in the world, so we kind of wrestled with that idea a little bit. But he went out there, and, and he forced them to take some tough shots, knock it all the way to the rim. And, and a large reason why we kind of slowed down that run as, that they were making toward the end was because David was in there. 14 and a half minutes, a couple of buckets, uh, one alley-oop from, uh, from Keyshawn, I believe. Uh, had five rebounds, three offensive rebounds, as the Rebels did a great job on the offensive glass last night. Six points. Uh, he also had two assists and a, and a big block in the game. And one of the assists, the pass out front, uh, was, was just as pretty as you could imagine. Uh, to Shane? Yeah. I assume that, yeah. I mean, he, he rolled to the rim. He bobbled it, but he didn't lose his, his composure or wit about him. He grabbed it with two hands. He saw an open teammate at the top of the key, throws it to Shane for a rhythm three, which ended up being a huge play because uh, we kind of bobbled the ball at the beginning of that play. We bobbled it in the middle. Uh, David bobbled it when he caught it. So we kind of just batted it around for a little bit, and then Shane shot a, an open three, which was, was, was huge for us. But, you know, David's one of those guys where I think plays like that almost get him going more than even the alley-oop or the block. Uh, you know, just being kind of a part of that offense where, you know, passing that ball to an open teammate, getting a good result. Uh, you can see he's always pretty happy when he's involved in that. So if you're at the game on Friday and you hear Coach when the Rebels have the ball, start yelling, bobble, bobble, you know, he put in that play to, uh, to get him going again. It, it was a, a, a terrific performance. The Rebels uh, built uh, that nine-point lead with the three by Keyshawn. That was a huge lift at the end of the first half. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was not at all what we drew up, but it, it goes good you, towards our – Come on, our, you're going to learn. you got to take credit for our, it. <laughs> yeah, our percentage after a timeout, it helped that. But uh, Keyshawn recognized that they were, they were still communicating with the bench, and he – just walked into a dribble in three and 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 nailed it and it was huge because uh you know they had switched to his own and uh while we had both man zone play in it doesn't always work that well especially with that eight seconds it's kind of an in-between uh time for you so walking up shooting a, a three and especially with them coming with the ball out in the second half you know we talked about that in the yep. post game last night uh, coming out of the half and getting a bucket is is a huge start to a second half so uh to end the first half with a bucket uh, it, 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 it just kind of helps toward building that momentum, going out and then getting a stop at the, uh, in the first play of the second half, which is what the guys did. Um, but uh, you can almost kind of – you can absolutely attribute part of that stop towards the way they finished the first half with that Keyshawn three. We have to discuss the end of the game uh, before the Rebels were able to re-extend the lead by uh, making some, some big plays late and knocking down threes. It, it has happened a couple of times this year where the Rebels have struggled, struggled with late pressure in the game. Yeah, it's one of those things where, again, through experience, uh, you know, like we talked about November and December, we were asking Keyshawn to do a lot of things that he hasn't done a lot in his life. And, uh, and But, again, you know, it's one of those things we talk about and work on today. Colorado State, uh, it, it was identical to last year's game. And, uh, you know, it was a 21, I believe, 21-point lead. And then uh, about 40 seconds later, it felt like it was a 12-point game with a, a handful of minutes About left. Two and, and a half to go, yeah. Yeah, and we're sitting there like, whoa, guys, like, I hope we all understand that this thing is a long way from over. And, uh, you know, I always, when, when we get home, I always ask my wife, Allie, I said, you weren't nervous, were you? And every single time she'll be like, yeah, I was nervous because, you know, she's kind of being the coach's wife. They're always pretty nervous. But even last night she goes, she was, she was especially nervous. <laughs> and, and she goes, and she always asks, she goes, were you nervous? 
and always, uh, you know, to try to help her kind of, I say, no, 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 we're good. Like, you know, we were fine. But last night, without even really thinking, I was like, yeah, like, I was a little nervous on that one. I got a little, I got a little scared on that one. But, uh, but yeah, there was a, there was a, there was a moment there just because of the way Colorado State can score it and how they can do it so fast and shoot it so well that, uh, yeah, there's a couple points in a game you're like, we really need this to go well. Or if it goes wrong, you're like, oh, this could get interesting. And uh, when uh, Rivera was shooting a three on the right wing, I believe it, when it was a nine-point yep. game with yep. a minute 20 left, yep. um, you know, that was one of those points as a coach where I was like, if that goes in, this is going to get really weird. And, uh, but luckily for us, uh, you know, to a casual observer that didn't have any, any fan in the game, I think they probably thought we had it the whole time, but of course on the bench we we got a little, we got a little tight, but uh, something we went over today. We've just got to go through it. We've got to experience it. We've got to watch it on film. Um, but again, guys did what they need to do to win the game, which today, uh, whatever today is, is all that matters. Yeah, I mean, obviously Jordan not having Jordan McCabe, his ball handling ability, his savvy uh, certainly uh, impeded the Rebels. I thought one of the biggest plays was Luis catching that pass uh, right in front of us. Uh, on the bench late when uh, I think it was uh, was it EJ who threw that kind of that 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 high high lob all the way that, down the court sounds about right <laughs> sounds about right but uh, Lou made a great catch and got fouled uh, and then went and knocked down those free throws and that was that was another huge play in the game I did have a chance to talk to Stevens before the game and if you remember the shot he made to send it to overtime I did ask him if he had been recruited by the soccer team to throw those those passes in for him. He thought it was pretty funny. He actually, he, he, he was doing his warm-ups. He went away, and he came back. He goes, that was a good one. He gave me a little thump. So he's a, he's a heck of a player. Well, and and we, get, we need to compliment Stevens, I yeah. think. Uh, I mean, the first player in Colorado State history with 1,500 points, 500 rebounds, 500 assists, uh, you know, a very rare feat uh, at, a, at a good basketball school. And, uh, and even after the game, we talked about it post-game, the the job that was done as a group guarding Stevens, uh, you know, we held him to his average, which, you know, of course, is going to draw a, a handful of people saying you just held him to what he's done every single night, which, while that may be true, um, when he's almost had 40 on us the last three times, we felt that that, that was a huge win for us to keep him to 18. But, uh, but the way we did it made him take a lot of shots, a lot of uncomfortable shots. So the guys did an unbelievable job for – what's going to be arguably the best player in Colorado State history. Yeah, he, he, he is terrific, and the Rebels did do a terrific job. Fans, remember the Orleans uh, Casino, and Boyd, thank you for tuning in, for joining us tonight at the Bourbon Street Lounge. Boyd is grateful to have the opportunity of supporting UNLV Sports by hosting the coaches' show. They say, go run a Rebels, and if you're not already a part of their Boyd Rewards program, they invite you to experience life rewarded and join the loyalty program that links you to nine destinations here in Las Vegas as well as destinations around the country. Take a break. Come back with our final segment. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from the Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Blackshear working on Webster. Blackshear throws it out to Williams. Shoots a three straight away. He missed it. Rebound taken by Harkless. What a great hustle play by E.J. Harkless. And with 13.8 to go, the Rebels have a five-point lead, and Harkless going to the line to shoot two more. Back to the Kevin Kruger Coaches Show, live from the Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Part of the Runner Rebels uh, closeout of Reno at the Thomas and Mac on Saturday. You could hear the big crowd cheering the Rebels on. Winners of three straight, and now uh, get a chance to continue the uh, the payback tour, if you will. Fresno State coming to town Friday night, uh, 8 o'clock tip. 
We'll be on the air at 7.30. Ron and Rebel warm-up. John Sandler, Coach Kruger with you. Coach, uh, you know Fresno's coming to town. You know that means defense, physicality, and, and just a, a tough game. Uh, you don't expect three guys who shoot under 25% on the year to make seven threes in the game, like what happened at Fresno. But at the same time, you've got to be ready. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the – there's kind of levels to that. I think uh, while we may have gotten them to take some of the shots that, that statistically would have been in our favor, I just don't know if we did it with enough kind of oomph. You know, there just wasn't, we were just kind of a little on our heels in Fresno, and I think it, it just caught up to us. I thought uh, we had some opportunities to make runs, but uh, they were always kind of ended quickly by, uh, by a shot made by a, by a guy from Fresno. And so, yeah, like you said, the revenge tour, uh, hopefully we can just kind of keep that going. And uh, Friday night, we know we're just going to have to guard the ball. They do a really good job of driving and making plays for each other. And then we know on the offensive side, we've got to be tough. We've got to be ready for contact. Uh, we've got to be strong with the ball and uh, make good, strong plays. It's a little bit, and, and obviously because Coach Hudson uh, has his background with the Aztecs, it's a little bit like playing San Diego State. You've got to wait and work for a good shot. You just can't take the first shot you think is good. Yeah, and they, they do a really good job of, of, of slowing the tempo of the game. Uh, you know, they, they rely on their defense. They, uh, they want to get a lead and then, and then just kind of protect it and just guard it, and they do that really well. And so it's going to be really important for us to get off to a good start, uh, get a lead, and then because that's also kind of how we've, we've been able to win games is get into those last few minutes and, and protect a lead and kind of just guard our hoop. And uh, so it's, you're going to kind of see two teams that, that do that in a similar way, just uh, really wanting to be, you know, kind of a slower paced, uh, kind of a, almost more of a half-court game toward the end so that it's just kind of mano a mano and, and trying to score on each other in, a, in kind of a half-court setting. I know you're at a point in the season, and the Rebels have dealt with some significant injuries that we've talked about, uh, hoping that Jordan McCabe gets back as quickly as possible. But you're at a point in the season where you're not going hard all the time in practice right now. It's more film. It's more just kind of uh, getting prepared that way and, and getting some rest. Yeah, and especially being uh, so recent, uh, recently playing them, um, you know, a lot of it's just going to be what adjustments are we going to make. It's, uh, it's uh, like today – you know, we let the guys sleep in a little bit. We weren't in our usual morning practice time, but it was a lot of film uh, walking through just about the little adjustments we're going to make, the, thing, the adjustments we think they're going to make, um, just so that we're on the same page from the jump. All right, that's Friday night at the Thomas & Mac, 8 o'clock tip. We'll be on the air 7.30 over on ESPN Radio 1100. Curtis and I for uh, the game for Runner Rebel warm-up, and then 8 o'clock the tip. The Runner Rebels in Fresno, Runner Rebels, winners of three straight, looking to make it four in a row with a home game Friday night. Coach, I know you're looking forward to it. Absolutely. Hopefully we can get another good crowd for the guys. Come on out. Support this team. They've won three straight. Runner Rebels uh, victorious in the last three. See if they can make it four against Fresno. I want to thank DeMond back in our Learfield studios. Dick Murphy doing his usual great job engineering alongside. And now for Coach, this is John saying thanks to all of you for coming out. Thanks for listening. We will see you on Friday at the Thomas and Mac. Have a great evening, everybody. Live from Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, you've been listening to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming. Experience life rewarded with Boyd Rewards. Proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer driven. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Rebel Sports Network. 
Wake Up with the Morning Tailgate with Clay Baker. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10 on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, KRLV Las Vegas. Don't miss the Rich Eisen Show following the Morning Tailgate. Weekday mornings at 10 here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, KRLV Las Vegas. AM Eastern on VEASAN, the sports betting network. This is VEASAN. The Sports Betting Network. 